This is Back to Debbie, a show brought to you by Campus Again. This podcast specializes in collegiate football players and their potential for future success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike V, and this is typically my co-host, Corey P., but we are joined tonight with a special guest, Dwight P. But in this week's episode, we are going back to the Big Ten Conference, where we have 14 teams since 2014, but they will now be adding USC and UCLA in 2024. So we're not talking about them yet, but uh, the Big Ten with 14 teams. So anyway, maybe they should reconsider rebranding as well next year. I hope they do. Um, yeah. But Dwight, what do you think about calling like the Big Ten everywhere? The Big Ten, 14, the Big 14. Uh, what do you think about that, Dwight? Um, I actually gave it some thought. I think it should be called the big unit. Mm, kind of a Randy like Johnson that. reference. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. The absolute unit. I don't know. <laughs> the, the big thick. Um, so uh, we're going to be breaking down this conference into two parts, just like the SEC and the other conferences before that. It's it's going to be a little bit heftier. So uh, we're breaking down each team. We're going over new coaching changes and their impact. Thank you, Nate Marquise. We're going to be talking about Devi assets for each position group for each team by looking at the long-term and short-term options here. Um, hopefully we shoot a little bit more from deep here as I feel like we don't do that, but I also don't want to shoot too far from deep, whatever. We'll just get into it. But I physically cannot go a week without hearing Corey's Canadian soothing voice. So as always, Corey with the news. First of all, I'd just like to say a big thank you to Mr. Dwight Peoples for hopping on for me today. I unfortunately am a little bit wrapped up with work right now, but Dwight was happy enough to hop on and fill in for me. Um, so a big thank you to our editing overlord over at Campus to Canton. Now on to the news. Pretty short week here. Um, first heading over to UTSA, which is a place we don't say that much as a Devi show, but there are two wide receivers we're pretty interested in there right now who might be on the fringe of Devi with DeCorian Clark and Joshua Cephas. Just an injury update on them right now, um, because they both ended the season injured. Joshua Cephas didn't take part in spring practice at all, um, after a leg injury last year, and DeCorian Clark has been seen running around with the trainers and suiting up, but also did not take part in spring practice. Both guys are a little bit iffy to start the season, and I know we're pretty excited for these two guys, but um, they might not be ready in time for week one. Um, heading over to some other teams here, getting a little bit of weight updates coming with some summer workouts happening. Heading over to Penn State, first of all, Drew Aller there, a sophomore quarterback we're all pretty excited for from about 235 pounds last year. He's up to 242. Um, we also have Katron Allen, who was reportedly up to like 219 uh, about a month ago. He's actually officially listed at 221 pounds. Um, and then heading over to Iowa, an interesting running back over there, size speed guy in Caleb Johnson, uh, sophomore running back, was 217 last year. He's up to 222 pounds. And then Trevor Etienne is kind of continuing this downward trend of his weight, kind of came into college with some bad weight. Um, he was at 217 coming in. He was at 210 at one point. Now he's down to 207 entering this year. Let's just hope that doesn't get too much smaller, um, given that he's got that 5'9 frame. He's a little bit on the smaller end. And just a reminder, guys, we did just release the CFF guide on July 1st. The guys put a ton of work into that. 250-plus pages, team preview, sleepers, the freshman 50, projected depth charts, honestly, everything you need to attack your drafts this offseason. That's a $20 one-time purchase, or become a member today with one of our many subscription options, some of which include access to this guide, as well as our supplemental and freshman guide, our Devi guide as well, access to all our awesome tools when you see 
posted all over Twitter. So uh, make sure you guys get in there, get a subscription today. Make sure you're checking out our family of podcasts as well on the podcast feed, our YouTube channel as well, to make sure you guys are keeping up to date with everything going on throughout the offseason. And guys, if you're a fan of team merchandise, if you want your favorite retro Georgia hoodie, your favorite comfy pair of Kentucky sweatpants, make sure you guys head on over to homefieldapparel.com. Take advantage of our promo code campus to canton That's Campus, the number two, Canton, all one word with the number two in the middle to get 15% off your first purchase. So get over there today. Get decked out in all your favorite team's merchandise. All right, Dwight, let's jump right into it. Let's get into the Big Ten East. Uh, we're going to go off with a team that is commonly forgotten and written off. We're going to start off with Rutgers. New OC, I'm going to mess this up. I probably should have prepared a little better for this. New OC, Kirk Siroka. Siroka. Siroka, like, just like, like the, the drink? sauce. Like the sauce, yeah. Siroka. Well, so I guess it's Sriracha, isn't it? So Sriracha is so sauce. And then you got like Siroka, I think it's a drink. That's pretty yep. awesome, actually. That's what it is. Uh, it, it, previous <laughs> OC, Sean Gleason, he's out. But uh, going back to Kirk here, his resume, 2022, he was the Minnesota offensive coordinator. 2021, he was West Virginia's analyst. 2020, Penn State OC. And then 2017 to 2019, Minnesota OC again. 2013 to 2016, Western Michigan offensive coordinator. And then 2009, 2010, uh, what a time to be alive. You had the Rutgers uh, co-OC then. So uh, Greg, Greg Schiano and Kirk Soroka. Did I get that right, Dwight? Soraka. Soraka. <laughs> Kirk Soraka. They're going to they're gonna attempt to rekindle that fire that they had back in 09 when they right. paired and led Rutgers to a 9-4 and four season, which just feels like a whole different lifetime, honestly. Uh, Soraka has coached all, <laughs> the big C. He's coached all over the Big Ten. He's been all over the place. Uh, so pretty extensive history here. Um, but we don't really want the – the Soroka QB at Minnesota, Penn State. They're pretty boring. Yeah, Tanner Morgan, Sean Clifford. Very uninspiring. Uh, so, Dwight, I'm just going to throw it to you here with QBs. Are you interested in any QB in Rutgers room uh, for Debbie? You know, I, I did sort of like Gavin Wimsett coming out. Um, he was a four-star guy. He, he's now in his junior season. Um, a guy who's got a lot of tools. Um, but he's just stuck in an offense, which you like. You you're not inspired, obviously, by Sean Clifford and Tan Mor- Tanner Morgan. Um, I just don't think they'll use his skill set like he should. He's he's a guy who's versatile, can run the ball, has a really good arm, but I think he's just kind of stuck in the system. So uh, obviously not a Debbie asset, possibly a C to C asset if you absolutely absolutely need someone super super deep. But I just yeah, I, I love his talent. Unfortunately, he landed on Rutgers. Yeah, uh, he he is dead to me before he even touched the football field. He was committed to Kentucky for a little bit before he decommitted and went to Rutgers. I don't know if you knew that. Um, that was a pretty big deal for us because we were still rocking with Terry Wilson. We still haven't had a good quarterback in forever. And having such a high-rated recruit um, decommit, was it, it just hurt. <laughs> um, all right, let's go on to the running backs yeah. here. So uh, Kirk here is allergic to running back by committee. He just feeds one RB. Uh, they're all like, like, like that's it, just one RB. Uh, in his nine full seasons, he has seen uh, lead running back go for 200-plus carries, and twice Mo Ibrahim and Javarion Franklin were RB8 and CFF, uh, So, and they've gone over 300 carries. Um, so I'm, I'm going to start off here with this one. The one running back here I'm actually looking at, he's um, – I think I missed the train, but I really wanted to make him a, like a Mike Misfits here for the Debbie guide, but Samuel Brown, the fifth, was a true freshman last year. 
86 carries for 374 yards and three touchdowns. Now that yards per carry is only four for three. 4.3 yards per carry, very low, uh, but three and three yards after contact, 3.05 yards after contact. That ranked 13th among all true freshmen. Um, he got injured after his first start, but he won the job by week eight, so it is his job. And the stat sheets say he's an inefficient runner, but and I definitely saw like a lot of struggling with vision behind the line because that line was just terrible, and there's just no holes opening up. And I don't think he's laterally a good mover he just couldn't really get around the edge so it was either the hole opened up or he tried to push for yards and that's where the yards after contact came from so uh, but as a high school recruit got these numbers courtesy of our recruiting team here he's a size speed guy he's 220 pounds but when he builds up that speed 21.4 miles per hour he has a 46 40 coming into college 29 inch vert and a four five shuttle so he definitely has positive athletic like attributes we're just right. hoping that Rutgers O-line can, can improve there. I, I do like him on my college teams just because they don't have much else and they're going to feed the guy. So he's liable to have, you know, he could, I could see him getting 200 carries this year. He's got a thick lower bottom. You know, I'm a, I'm a big quads yeah. guy. I go to the gym. I do some leg day <laughs> too. So I like seeing that. Um, any other running backs you want to talk about there? No, not really. It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty, it drops off quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's deep. Yeah, it's deep. This, and this this Samuel Brown the fifth. If you're like in your C to C drafts right now, I don't think I'm taking him top thirty picks here. I mean, this is this is oh. definitely a deep shot guy here. Um, let's head on over to the wide receivers here. This system has a rare combination of low passing volume with historical productive wide receivers, which is just funny. You just don't think about that much. But again, it feeds one RB, and then also it feeds one wide receivers here. Uh, we're talking about like Corey Davis at Western Michigan. He was wide receiver five there, also a first round pick. You have Tyler Johnson, who was really hyped up, uh, but fourth rounder there. Uh, and then Rashad Bateman, another first rounder. And then his final tenure with uh, Penn State there, he also helped create Jahan Dotson there. So the number one returning pass catcher only had 252 receiving yards he's like entering his sixth year too so i i don't i don't think <laughs> yeah. there's a debbie asset here but given the coach's like strong history i would at least see if someone kicks off like the start like if someone like like uh just comes out guns blazing like week one week two that might be a really good waiver wire ad uh but uh enough with the Rutgers talk dwight thank you <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right let's Let's head on over to um, just the deepest well of Debbie potential here in probably the conference. And we're talking about Ohio State. Um, new OC, Brian Hartline, who was the previous wide receiver coach there for Ohio State there. Kevin Wilson's gone. He moves on to Tulsa. Uh, Ryan Day just promotes from within. Um, first-time coordinator, first-time play caller. I doubt he even calls plays. I think Ryan Day is going to keep that job. So we can just assume it's going to be same old, same old uh, here for right. Ohio State. Let's jump right into the quarterbacks here. Um, there's actually a lot of names to talk. So let's just start with Kyle McCord. I assume he's starting week one. I think, do you also assume that? Yeah, it's the writings on the wall from what we've heard in spring and what Matt Bruning has said and stuff. It looks like it's McCord's job. So. Do you think he's going to have trouble pushing the ball downfield? Like I've seen him be more of a short area yeah. passer. So is that, that is like a exactly what I have? Yeah, that is exactly what I have down that I still of all the guys they have on their roster. I still like Devin Brown the most as a guy who can push the ball and, and move this offense. I see McCord as I mean, he'll probably put up great numbers. I mean, when you're throwing to the guys he's throwing to, they're going to have run after the catch. He's going to put some pretty good numbers up. 
but I, I have trouble seeing him as a guy who I, I see, I put, I see Kirk Cousins as like his absolute ceiling. Cause I just don't think he's that dynamic of a passer. Um, he's mobile enough, you know, that he can extend plays and things like that. But I just, I just, I just don't know. I, I struggle with giving him much value in Debbie right now. So. Yeah, he does feel a little inflated here because we assume he's the Ohio State starter. We know it's going to put up those raw numbers, right. just like you stated. Um, but yeah, I, I am also the mindset that he's going to struggle to throw downfield. So I, I am a little worried. Obviously, we'll get that answer question, that question answered <laughs> right away. Um, but that is that is my concern. Yeah. I and then you mentioned Devin Brown. I'm with you. I think he's got much better arm, an NFL arm, better traits there. Maybe he's a little raw. You just got to take a little bit of time, and that's fine. Common Core is a great veteran to learn underneath. And I'm not, I'm not panicking on Devin Brown. I feel like he's no, become a no. value though for Debbie purposes. Like uh, he was yeah. our QB one here at C2C, uh, going like coming in as a freshman, and now he's he's QB nine for me, I believe. I need to go look at that. Um, but do do you think it's being undervalued? Oh, definitely. We, we've seen what Ohio State's doing. They they are just getting these quarterbacks in for a year, you know, and they're getting these having this phenomenal season, and then they're off to the NFL, you know. And like McCords, I do think he probably will end up being an earlier draft pick. I, I'm not sure if he's round one yet, um, but I, I could see some team falling for you know based on what Ohio State has done and the type of things he will do in that offense. They could fall into that pratfall, but I just think Brown's a much more talented guy. Um, he does have the potential to be a guy who obviously not on like the Caleb Williams level, nothing like that. But I see him as having a guy who you can build a team around, who will push the ball, who will make the offense better, and he won't be a liability. So I, I like Brown a lot, and he's he seems like a, like a screaming value at this point. So. No, I'm with you there. I really do think that as well. I, I'm, I'm really excited for him. I mean, he is he is one good game away from – Everyone's saying next year he's the guy, you know, like just how Connor Wegman had his one good game. He just said right. he has one 300 yard or uh, passing game, which you can easily do at Ohio State. And he's going <laughs> to be back up there. Um, yeah. Let's go a little bit deeper, though, uh, talking about some long term assets here. I have Lincoln Kineholz written down. He was a guy for me, true freshman. Uh, he flipped commits from Washington over to Ohio State. So Kalen DeBoer over to Brian Hartline and Ryan Day. He was probably like a solidified, like top eight, top seven guy for me. Like he was a, like the top of my tier three. Goes to Ohio State. I think I dropped him to the bottom of my tier three just because we have to wait. We have to wait. Trust that he doesn't get over-recruited, which looks like Dylan Rayola is going somewhere else. So that's, that's, one, that's one part of the equation taken care of. But I liked Lincoln Kineholz. I would have liked him in the DeBoer mm-hmm. system, so yeah. I could have gotten to play a little sooner. But um, what do you think about Lincoln Kineholz? Yeah, he's definitely a guy who, as long as he can stick around there, he'll get a good shot, I think. But I was a little worried when Rayola was on board, you know, that he wasn't going to get that shot because it's going to be probably two years. You know, it's going to be – it's not going to be this season. It's not going to be next season unless something – unless Brown transfers or something like that. But I, I love his athleticism, the ability to make plays on the move. Uh, he's got great touch when he throws. Very smart guy, kind of a late riser in the process. Um, needs a little bit more development, but you can tell he's like a, I, don't, I hate using the term gamer, but that's, that's what he is. I mean, he's, he's a guy who wants the ball and he wants it on his back. So I, I like Kindholds quite a bit and he's a guy who's definitely worth a flyer at this point. So I do too. Yeah. I'm a big fan of him. A little bit deeper of a guy there. Yes. Um, and you're definitely waiting at least two years, at least. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, 
going over to the running backs here, we have Travion Henderson. Uh, he's still great. I don't have much to say about him. I know before pre-show I was talking to you about how I, I don't get much joy talking about the known commodities, but could you please enlighten us about Trevion Henderson? Oh, yeah. I mean, even before, I mean, he had kind of a little bit of a, a rough year last year just because he had a foot injury. And I think that even before he was injured that it was affecting him. Like, he didn't seem quite as dynamic last year, but he's just, he's one of those guys that when he's healthy, he's a true three down back, powerful, can catch passes, good movement skills. Uh, he just does everything. He's, I mean, yeah, he's a definitely a top three Debbie running back. So where's Felix? We need to talk about Mayan. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, my, Mayan to me, <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering your take here. You got you to pick a side here because I actually do. Okay agree with felix i do think mayan is a Devi asset every single year every single year i feel like there's one maybe two uh running backs that win the me and courtney make a name for it. i'm i'm called the good enough award where they just check every single box <laughs> you know you know yeah. that they're going early day three and whatever team doesn't have a running back like they're they're just going through a rebuild so they need to plug a guy in there he goes there gets the golden opportunity might only be for one year maybe two Mayan just feels like that guy to me. Like he really does. So I, I do think he's a Debbie asset. I don't want to invest too much into him, but where do you stand on the Mayan debate? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same same boat. I, my notes on him is I think that he's going to be at least, at the very least, a good role player. I mean, he's very tough to bring down, great contact balance. Um, I just don't see the speed and ability to be like a true three down back, you know, that will have, you know, the 200 touches we want. But he's definitely got a role, and I, I just don't know if I'm investing a lot of in it. I do love that his, his nickname is Meatball. So as a bigger guy myself, that just makes me super happy. So I feel like I, I should like him more than I do. I just don't see him as this amazing prospect. But he's going to be in the NFL. I mean, he's just, you know, he, he's, he's got some power. He can make people miss. So I definitely like watching him play and like running, like watching him run the ball. But I just don't know how it's going to translate to the next level. Yeah, he is. He is one of those bowling ball type builds. He, I already said, he checks all the boxes off. I think he's yeah. a fine pass catcher. He's a fine blocker. It's a fine power back. I don't think he's too athletic though, so I don't look for him to lighten up the combine. Um, right. But again, he gets he gets it done. Let's go. Let's go a little bit deeper here. Um, obviously, Henderson and Mayan probably going after this year. I imagine. Dallin Hayden's next up. Where do you, where do you stand on Dallin Hayden? I struggle a little bit because I, I kind of see his skill set as very close to Mayans. Um, he's a, maybe got a little bit more juice, but not a whole lot. He's definitely a guy who um, I say, let me see, he's similar, not quite as strong, not quite as efficient. He can make people miss a little bit more than Mayans. So he's got a little bit more, a little bit more wiggle, a little more juice, but he's still not a guy who I think has got a, carved out path toward a three down role probably put up some pretty good numbers next year like you said he's going to be most likely the guy next year unless something happens to Travion and he comes back next year I think Mayan is a senior but I mean these days they can make guys play for eight years if they want to so I guess that Mayan could come back theoretically but uh Dallin looked pretty decent last year five yards a carry but you know in that offense that offensive line I think most running backs you put in there are going to do pretty darn good so I have a little trouble putting a lot of value on him. I've seen him going quite high recently, and, and I'm not sold that yet. <laughs> like I've seen him go way higher than I'm comfortable taking. Yeah. 
Yeah, so 111 carries, 553 yards. You just said five yards carry, five touchdowns, no fumbles. Um, he he got the cleanup. You know, he got the cleanup against Michigan, against uh, not Michigan, excuse me, against Maryland and Indiana. Um, so and Toledo too. I I'm with you though. I'm not. I don't think he's a special runner. We'll see after year two. He'll probably get more opportunity here. Um, he's somebody for me that can get easily over recruited i think they do have a 2024 guy i want to say his name is james peoples which i haven't dug into yet it's on my list of things to do um but yeah well, i, like I do think he, um, yeah <laughs> um, but i i do think he can be over recruited here um right so yeah and then even his wide receivers developmental <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. let's you, go on to wide receivers the whole show talking group. about the wide receivers i tell you <laughs> that's true uh so let's let's talk about the top uh i'm talking about to, you know let's talk about separate marvin harrison jr uh wide receiver one for 2024 it seems like he's everyone's wide receiver one um i know felix calls him a wall he's got to throw it up and he's going to catch it no matter what I think he's actually a very good route runner, a very good mover. I know right. he's listed at six foot three. I want to see it. I think he's listed at six foot four some places. There's a photo out with him with uh, Quinn Johnson from this past year. Quinn Johnson measured in at the combine at six foot two point seven inches. Uh, Marvin Harrison's shorter than Quinn Johnson, so yeah, I, think, I don't think he's I think six three. Yeah, I think Marvin Harrison's going to come in at six two, maybe a little bit under six two, but he's going to be six two. So he's not really an alpha. He's definitely more of a route runner prototype. Which is fine. I actually prefer that. Um, makes me feel pretty good about it. I want to ask you though, because everyone knows he, he's great though. Um, his yak ability. Are you are you, are you going to be scared off because of his lack of yak ability so far? Or I shouldn't say ability, but what he's shown. Uh, not overly worried about it. I mean, it's something obviously we'd like to see improve. But guys like Mike Evans have had. I, I doubt he has. 500 yards yak in his entire career and the guys put up you know nine thousand yard seasons in a row so it, it is possible to succeed with that with that um limitation i guess but i definitely don't think he's that bad he's just i think we get enamored with those guys that can break the big plays you know that can make the big yak but i just i don't know man i just love him so much what he does from a technical standpoint he's just a marvel to watch play the, the plays he makes with you know, his body control, his hands. I, he just, the more I see of him, the more I remember his father. His father was like one of my top five players of all time. Like I absolutely love Marvin Harrison because um, I lived in Indianapolis for a little while and got to watch him up close. And you definitely see, he's definitely more of a physical specimen than, than his father. But uh, you see this cerebral way he plays and he's just a damn smart receiver. And I think hopefully the yak comes. I, I, I don't see it as being a hindrance though. I mean, he's, not shy he's not shy from scoring touchdowns and things like that so he's definitely he's definitely not holding him back man so yeah no uh well put there i it's not even like he's that bad of it either he's not really too much of right. a catch and fall down guy but they definitely trust him like they throw it up to him they trust him to go get it and he does uh right let's head on over to Emeka abuka six foot one 205 he works more in the short area compared to marvin harrison who works more in the deep and intermediate um Emeka is the act threat here. Uh, he's averaged yeah. 7.1 oh, yeah. yards per carry. He's got that great build. I also think he's a good route runner. I don't. Dwight, who do you think is the better route runner, Marvin Harrison or Emeka Abuka? I'd give a slight edge to Marvin, I think. It's so close. I mean, it's like Ohio State knows what they're doing. And if you take these two guys and put them up against like Ennis and Tate, and you see a lot of the same traits in all of these guys, you know, they like guys that can run routes, guys that 
create separation in high school, you know, that understand the nuances of the game in high school. So they're not coming in, you know, having to teach them all of these things. They're coming in already polished in so many of these areas and you see them and that's what they, they have their side. I swear all of them are like six, one, 200 pounds. It seems like, you know, so they're all almost the same exact size. Uh, there are little differences in some of them. I think, I think Mecca is a little more physical, uh, a little more, he's, he's better off the line. I think can create separation a little bit quicker, but I like his catch radius, his ball tracking hands. I mean, he just, yeah, he's not going to be very far behind Marvin Harrison. I mean, and honestly, if you wanted to put him above Harrison, I wouldn't call you crazy, but I wouldn't do it. So, Do you think Emeka could work out wide? I think I know he played 30% out wide this past year. Obviously that's Marvin Harrison's spot, but do you think he's, you know, like how everyone's debated, JSN's only a slot guy at the next level. He's only a possession wide receiver. Do you think Emeka is going to get those same labels? Um, I think the the line of what is the line of what is a slot receiver and what is an outside receiver just seems like it gets blurrier every year. You know, it used to be if you had a guy that was 5'9", 180, quick, you know, you use a slot receiver. If you had a guy that was six six foot two, six foot three, he was a boundary. If you had a guy that was six one, he was on the other boundary. You know, yeah. and now it's now it's I mean, we got guys that are smaller playing. You got six foot four guys playing the slot. We've got we got five eleven guys playing the outside boundaries. You know, I think it just depends on how a team wants to use them. I do think he'd probably be a little bit better as a complimentary guy, maybe on the Z side. I don't know if he's a true X, but I, don't, I think to pigeon him in, directly into the slot is is not necessarily um, what you should be doing, I think. Like he could right. do either way. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you there. I think he can play either way, either uh, either way too. Um, but uh, <laughs> can play for each team. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, but uh, I think Ohio State also because you talked about how they develop these guys. They do a great job teaching these guys angles, like as a yak right. threat. Like these guys, you don't see them make too many flashy moves. You know, I'm trying to think of like. You know, like Zay Flowers and even like as a mm-hmm. runner, Chase Brown would be just flashing the open field. These guys just attack the open angle and just learn leverages like fast. Like it's just it's very efficient. They teach their players so efficient, no waste of movement. It's really just catch the ball and get upfield in the best possible way. So right. um let me ask you this to wait. Is Emeka, I assume Marvin Harrison is your wide receiver one. Do you think Emeka is the wide receiver two for next year? He is for me, yes. Yeah, same here. Okay, cool, 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 yep. cool. Making sure you're not one of those Xavier Worthy guys. Oh gosh. Or or Roma no, Jose, I guess. I don't want to go down that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, let's go yeah. a little bit younger here. You mentioned the the two freshmen coming in. Um Carnell Tate. Uh this has been mentioned by every single Canvas Skin podcast out there. Carnell Tate lost his black stripe first. It's like a it's a sign of manhood for the team. You know, you're one of the guys. Uh He's like the fastest one to lose it. Now, not everyone could early enroll like Brandon Innes couldn't. Uh, his right. high school just wouldn't allow that. So we're waiting for him to get there. Uh, and then there's also Noah Rogers, who you don't hear as much news about. But it's it's been positive for both Carnell mm-hmm. Tate and Rogers. Yeah. Pick one of these guys to be a year one zero right now. <laughs> to be a year one zero. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Because it's Ohio State, they all could theoretically be. Um, sure. I would I I would say Rogers. Um, I think I'm not as worried about Ennis's late start because I actually like him of the three. I like him the best. He's my wide receiver three and the freshman wide receiver that are coming in. I just think he's a lot more polished. He understands how to manipulate defenders, great hands. He does. He, he once again fits into that mold. He can 
jump right in. And when he was playing against like seven on seven teams, and he's playing with Tate, Mikai Lemon, Nakeem Williams, and he just looked so much better than all of those guys. Like he is, he, I think he's the real deal. I don't, I don't think either of them, any of these guys are going to have the, you know, we talk about the year one zero, none of them are going to be way over the threshold. I don't think, I guess Tate being with the team early gives him a little bit of a leg up. Um, is he, is he is a very, he is a complete guy too, that I like quite a bit, uh, superior athleticism, things like that. So Noah Rogers, unfortunately is probably always going to be that third guy. And I saw that Matt Bruning actually compared him a little bit to Chris Alave, as far as the way he might make it through, you know, how he might, he'll might take a few years for him to poke his head through and get the targets and he may see a senior year but he's a very smart, smart athletic receiver with all the intangibles you want. So he may not be as flashy as the other two, but he's definitely a guy who could hang around and, and get those stats and, and end up being a pretty early drafty and, you know, several years down the road, obviously. So, yeah. Yeah. So for, for me, Carnot Tate, again, all, all the news in the spring, and these are one of those be reporters for the school. Like they don't lie. Like you don't right. have to worry about it being coach B. So we've confirmed Carnell Tate is good. I recently redid my rankings. I put Carnell Tate in front of Ennis. I actually moved Ennis down to my wide receiver four from wide receiver one. Uh, Cause similar to you, Ennis was my favorite. He, he's already a polished robber. And you just talked about, we just talked about his seven V seven stuff. And I, I went down a rabbit hole one night where I looked up this man's whole history. Like I saw old interviews um, from him. He, <laughs> He was a lineman, like when he was like 10 years old. And some coach was like, we need to start training this kid to be a wide receiver because he's he's a special athlete at his age. Um, and he's like, ever since then, that's been what he's been doing. It's just playing wide receiver, doing all this outdoor physical, whatever. I, I went down to his whole like, life story, like documentary. And um, anyway, he was my receiver one. He is he is the prototype that Ryan Day likes, or sorry, excuse me, Brian Hartline likes to, likes to develop. He is the polished route runner. And that's what we like to see out of um, – out of Ohio State. Tate was always a hard eval for me because he went to IMG. IMG runs like right. a pro style offense out of high school. And watching his tape, it's like there's nothing really here. I mean, besides his receiver play and his hands, I can evaluate that just fine, which they were excellent. Right. Um, it wasn't like he was separating super quickly or having quick no, feet. It was, it was just really efficient. It was just really efficient movement. So it's it's like yeah, is it he just all... dunking on weaker competition or is he like the real deal? Yeah, it was athleticism. He relied a lot on his athleticism. So, you know, but um, you did see a little bit of, you know, the glimpse, glimpses of being of having technique and route running, but it was definitely more athletics, you know. So, yeah, and I, I thought Noah Rogers was more the raw athlete. Um, I know he had a down right. year his senior year, though. Uh, and then watching some of his senior tape, I didn't think he looked as good as he did his junior year either. Um, right. But if I'm going to ask myself the question, which one's the year one zero, it's going to be Noah Rogers for me. Um, I know Corey's a big fan, so I gotta say some nice stuff for Cor- Corey's a big fan. Um, that's it. Any comment? <laughs> Maybe he can like edit himself in saying a, a one liner about him. Um, let's talk about some of these other guys that they have on the roster. Uh, Julian Fleming, he's a year one zero. He he can't stay healthy. In my opinion, I believe he's really underdeveloped. But he is. Um, he's he's the poster child for aging mattering. Uh, we have like a. I shouldn't say a threshold, but we have a we have an ongoing sheet of guys that are 19 years old at National Signing Day that have just done nothing. They've they've just really fizzled out. At least, sorry, done nothing on the NFL level for the Debbie scale. Um, right. And Julian Fleming was the Warrior one for his class, and he was 19 years old at National Signing Day. I think he was from I can't remember where he was, but he wasn't from like Texas, Florida, or Col- or California. Like he played some weaker competition. He just dominated in high school. Um, 
but he's been a pretty easy fade for me. Um, do you think I, I know there's some people out there that still think to believe in Julian Fleming. Where, where are you at with Julian Fleming? Oh, he's yeah, he's, he's just a guy at this point. He, he had his chance. Yeah. So, so yeah, kind of maybe, maybe a day three guy. Um, well, let me get the years right. 2022 recruitment class. Where do, where do you stand on them? I know one transferred out uh, to Auburn, yeah. uh, but. Keon was one I really liked, and I kind of pounded the table for a little bit in our Debbie guide, but his chance of breaking through with with the guys behind him and the guys in front of him are incredibly low, you know, and he's actually not even on their depth chart, which I thought was kind of funny. I thought he was also a well-rounded pass catcher, uh, could get open, fluid in space, you know. There's definitely things you like. He's obviously probably going to need to transfer out to have a really good shot there, so. He's okay. of the um, ones on the roster, probably my my favorite. Who had to choose? One. I, I think they're I think they're all out for me for being Debbie and then uh, Jalen Ballard right. and same with Xavier Johnson. I want to say I'm also out. And then maybe they can make like late day three, but again for fantasy rosters, I don't think I'm really caring too much about them. Yep. Are Are we, just real quick before we oh, yeah. move on, I, I know you guys don't like talking tight ends. Oh, but, well, uh, take it away. Kit. Cade Stover is a name to watch. I mean, I, I don't take too many tight ends in Debbie. Uh, you know, it's it's definitely not a position I highlight. But if you've got a really deep Debbie league, and he's the guy who's probably tight end for next year's class, uh, 6'4", 250, you know, pretty good movement skills for a tight end. Uh, obviously, way down on the backing order at Ohio State, but has put up some pretty good stats last year for being in that offense. So he's a guy getting a little bit of buzz for next year, probably a third, fourth round type of guy. Dwight, if you're not going to talk tight ends and nobody else will, nobody else will here. Uh, oh, yeah. We could get Chris to come on. Uh, our insert is, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe some other time. Maybe some other time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, we're out of time. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, let's move on to Maryland. Uh, University of Maryland, um, they get the, they get Josh Gaddis. Like, oof, their savior. So, Josh Gaddis, um, <laughs> offensive coordinator, wide receivers coach for Miami, Florida in 2022. He was the Michigan offensive coordinator and wide receiver coach from 2019 to 2021. In 2018, he was the Alabama co-offensive coordinator and also wide receiver coach. At 2014 to 2017, he was the Penn State passing game coordinator and wide receiver coach. And then in Vandy, 2012 to 2013, wide receiver coach. This guy... This guy gets around, and uh, he needs to stop. He needs to stop getting around. People got to stop letting him do that. He sucks the life out of an offense. I, Miami was just atrocious last year. Uh, Michigan, for years, have been a terrible offense. He he crushed so many five stars that committed there. Uh, Nico Collins somehow got drafted, but still isn't doing anything yet and probably won't, but definitely has a chance this year to do something. I don't I don't know what happened to him because he found success early at Penn State and at Alabama. Um he had Jordan Matthews, all SEC at Vandy twice. And he became an NFL stud to multiple wires for one seasons for fantasy. 2014, he had Allen Robinson at Penn State. He helped with that. And in 2018, Bama, he had Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. So I don't know what happened here. Maybe Michigan ruined him. And uh, but uh, he's old news. He keeps hopping. He's around. the American dream, man. It's, it's work your way into high high positions and then just kind of cruise control the rest of your career. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I I truly yeah. think this will be his last year as an OC. I think he will be disappearing after this year. Um, yes. But let's go into QBs here. Maryland has uh, Talia Tagaviola, two brother, entering, I believe, what's his sixth year. 
Um, Dwight, what are your opinion? Is, what is your opinion about Talia? Um, he's got the the ability to be a decent college quarterback, but I don't see any sort of NFL upside for him at all. Uh, there was a minute there after his 2021 season where he actually had 3,800 yards, 26 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. I thought maybe, you know, maybe there's a glimpse there. He, you know, he's just below 70% completion. Um, made that offense click pretty well, and then last year kind of took a little bit of a step back. But he's not a particularly mobile guy. Uh, does not have a particularly amazing arm, anything like that. So uh, not for Debbie, absolutely no. But if you need a college quarterback, you definitely could do worse. So. Yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan of him. Um, right. Short area passer, not much of a processor. He does have some mobility, but I wouldn't call him like an NFL level scrambler. Even at that, obviously he's undersized, and so I need those guys to have more than above average mobile ability on the NFL level for me to really care about them. But um, six years, so obviously he's um, been told quite a few times that he's not getting good draft capital by the draft advisory board. Otherwise, he would have already came out. <laughs> and I do, I do, Dwight, I do get really annoyed at the constant talk of bloodlines this year because no one talks about the bloodlines that failed. They just want to be like, oh, Marvin Harrison, he's related to, well, Marvin Harrison. You know, no one talks yeah. about Brendan Rice being related to Jerry, Jerry Rice and how, oh, well, he should be a, a top 10 wide receiver. Like, no one says that. No one talks about right. Talia like that. No one talks about Frank Gore's son, who's killing it at South Alabama, which if you're just box score scouting, he's killing it. But, like, if you watch his tape, he's he's definitely a G5 running back. Uh, Randy Moss's son didn't do anything in the NFL. There's plenty of bloodlines that don't work out in the NFL. Oh, yeah. I'm about to write an oh, article yeah. just so people can stop talking about bloodlines. And how that stuff <laughs> the doesn't matter. Bloodlines. <laughs> so it just really annoys me. That stuff doesn't matter. We've seen five stars go UDFA too, like Rakeem Jarrett, whatever. Anyway. Right, right, right. Talia, me and you are good. Talia is not it. Anyone on this depth chart that you think is worth mentioning? No, not for quarterbacks. Nope. All right, let's head on over to running backs. I just have one, Roman Hemby. I believe he's like six foot 200. He's put on a little bit of weight but definitely broke out last year for them has a really good receiving line. Um, but when you look at like his advanced metrics, his ADOS like negative three yards. I mean, they are all dump offs, which is definitely Talia's MO just short area passes. So, um, but Roman Hemby can pass. He has definitely been efficient uh, going running down the middle and running out wide as well. So I think he's a decent runner. Um, what do you think about Roman Hemby to yeah, once again, not not really a Debbie asset, but definitely a guy you want to have in your CSC teams. Um, almost had a thousand yards rushing, five point three yards a carry, ten scores, thirty three receptions. You know that's definitely, you know, something you want to see. Those are some pretty good numbers, despite the fact that he is actually fairly limited as an athlete. Um, he's got pretty good vision, patience, but his athleticism is is really not there. Uh, definitely kind of limited and his numbers were encouraging though, despite the fact that he, their line was terrible. Uh, their offense was terrible most of the year. And whenever they played any sort of up, like upper level competition, Hemby was much, much worse. So, but you no, know, yeah. yeah, you know, it right there. I was going to bring that up. I mean, his, his games over hundred yards were against Buffalo, SMU, Indiana, Northwestern, but like games against like Ohio state, like 39 yards games against Purdue, 26 yards. Michigan, the, yeah. both the Michigan's 27 and 47 yards. So um, I watched this. Did you watch, did you watch the Maryland spring game? Did you torture yourself and watch that? No, no. Yeah. Good man. I'd rather drink. I'd rather drink the sunny <laughs> water and watch Maryland yeah, football. I was, I was watching the season. Hall. 
we had just painted the hall and I was watching it dry to make sure nobody touched it. Um, Would have so been way honest. better. That offense can get anything going. And and the head coach called him out for that too. He really did. He was like, yeah, defense looked great. Offense, not so much. We got to go look at that. Um, I thought Roman Hemby might've been like a, like a late round flyer, like a borderline guy. Um, but just looking at Josh Gaddis and that spring game really just brought me back down to reality that Josh <laughs> Gaddis is going to tank this entire offense. So probably not. Yeah, I have actually seen Hemby being taken in, in Debbie drafts, but I think it's just because you see the numbers, you know, and you see the, you know, those are, from a box score standpoint, pretty decent numbers. They have almost 1,000 yards and 30 yeah, catches. Just a year or two guy. Yeah. Year or two guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And checks all the boxes off. You know, he might be, well, he hasn't checked the weight box off, so he's not going to win the good enough award, but he, he oh, yeah. he's, in the, he's in the pool. He's not a finalist, but he's he's in the pool. Um, right. Let's head over to wide receivers here. Uh, I have one of my misfits on here. I got one guy that I like a lot. Uh, Dwight, did you did you have any names besides the two I have written down? I don't want to. No, I'll let you start out. All right, all right. Uh, Caden Prather, six foot three, two ten. I know he's listed at six foot four, but he's not. He was six foot three as a recruit. You watch him play. He's six foot three. He is not six four. Um, I thought that his moving ability was pretty good in the field. I think he moves. Well, I've been saying this a lot, but I think he moves similar to like George Pickens. And I think that could be like his ceiling as a player. Um, but hopefully get more development here. He goes to Maryland. Maryland has a like 65% like target share, like vacancy. So there's definitely room for him to start, yeah. which he did start with the first team in the spring game. But again, Josh, Josh Gash just really just couldn't call like his plays are so bland. It's so bland. The offense is so bland and the quarterback doesn't have enough tools to not make it bland. So it, it's um, I'm wavering, Dwight. I'm absolutely wavering. I don't want to like be a defeatist. Right. Ever since that spring game, man, I'm just like you know, let me just get ahead of this and just throw in the towel now and not not hurt myself emotionally later on. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm still a sliver of hope for Prather as well. Uh, the poor guy's just been mired in some incredibly shitty situations, and you know I don't like coming here because even even in 2021 when Tagovailoa was, you know, had that 3,800 yards, he still wasn't really feeding receivers those types of numbers that you really want he spread the ball around a lot i mean Jarrett could never break out there demas had a some decent stats there but not as much so i'm, I'm worried about the situation i'm worried about gaddis but pray there's another guy i think he could probably find a spot in the nfl maybe he'll get a role someday because i think he's really really talented you know he can win off the line physical at the catch point so uh, I, I wish better for him so much better He's entering year three. You know what's like frustrating too is that he had like offers from Ole Miss and Penn State both. And then like <laughs> he was crystal ball to them at one point yeah. in time. And it's either option would have been much better picking than Caden Prather. Uh, and I yeah. know Caden Prather's from I think he's from Maryland. I'm pretty sure he's from Maryland. We gotta go look. So I I just knew he was gonna head home and I just hated that. Yeah, he's from Germantown, Maryland. I just knew it. Okay. I knew it. Nice. Anyway. Got to pour one out for the homie. Maybe next year when Josh Gass is gone, I might I might get back into it. Um, now, a, a, a second year player I'm interested in, uh, Octavian Smith Jr. listed at six foot one, one seventy, caught twelve balls for 157 yards and two touchdowns last year. Started in the bowl game. He was athlete number nine and a four star recruit in last year's class. So he was a top 300 guy. He did beat the year one zero mold. Both, both these guys did. He has a hand time 4340 on YouTube. He's wearing like soccer pants and like a regular long sleeve t shirt. So you know that hand time was just absolutely false. But we can at least feel good that he actually is fast. Um, 
similar story to Jordan Addison. He is a safety converted to wide receiver. He wanted to play wide receiver, and uh, Maryland liked him a lot. He started with the first team. He rotated in. He wasn't on the field like the first snap, but he was definitely one of the first four guys on the field. Um, he's a Mike misfit. He's absolutely a Mike misfit. Dwight, I, I so badly wanted to say this is the drop. Mike's misfit. <laughs> <laughs> we need to make a drop for you, man. Yeah, he's a, he's a project. Yeah, like you said, he, he's he's got some raw talent. You love uh, athleticism for days. Can run after the catch. But he's just he needs to work a lot on you know being a wide receiver. So uh, talents there. So why not? Yeah, just yeah. I have no problem with Mike Smith fit there. Yeah, obviously we don't have a lot of tape to go off of because he had limited playing right. time. But watching him run routes, he didn't run anything complicated like slants. Like that's it. He just ran like slants and like goes. Um, not too much evidence of deception. I think I saw like one or two efforts there. Um, but against he's he's not going against like cornerback one or twos on teams at all. So oh yeah, uh, I just like what I saw. This is like a just a green flag here. I'll reevaluate year two. I try not to be yeah. overly really critical year one, but I I do like so far the traits I've seen. And Oct- Octavian's a badass name too. So you, you got yeah. Octavius, I don't have kids to wait, but like I'm trying to sneak in like some some BS name, you know, like a middle name. Like I'll, I'll name like. I'll, like I'll name my kid like yeah Michael Master Chief Valerie the third like, <laughs> you know like I want to maybe I'll slide and lock I hate this from uh, the Lego movie <laughs> um, which right. is like my, one of my favorite movies by the way but anyway uh, yeah. <laughs> let's let's go on to let's let's I'm gonna get into trouble for this one let's go on to skip this next team that's fine <laughs> I kind of want to no let's talk about Michigan. Um, Michigan brings in a new OC, uh, Sharon Moore. Uh, he was a co-OC last year. He just takes over the lead roles. Uh, Matt Weiss was fired for violating the university rules. So uh, really not really much to report here. Sh- shouldn't be yeah. any change at all in this offense. Before they continue with this segment, I would just like to refer everybody to Section 35B, Paragraph 4 of the Podcast Rulebook. The views and analysis expressed by one co-host are not reflective or indicative of his co-host. QB is J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy, for some services, has has been put out as a first-round QB. What what are your thoughts on J.J. McCarthy, Dwight? No, I actually saw a Twitter poll. Twitter poll today that had which is the better prospect, JJ McCarthy Will or Levis, Will Levis or you, JJ? And yeah, Levis but... was pretty far ahead. I was surprised. It flipped. Uh, you got to go look at that, by the way. It oh, flipped. It? I, I checked uh, in. Yeah, Felix. Yeah, Corey called his Canadian neighbors, and they all started voting for JJ. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess you, he's got a shot. You know, <laughs> I guess I, I don't see he's never been really a highly valued Debbie asset. He's never been like one of the top quarterbacks. Uh, you definitely like his athleticism, uh, right. his ability to That's make it. plays. I just don't think he can push the ball. I think he's more of a game manager. Um, I think he's a good mobile quarterback. I just don't see him starting the NFL. I mean, I, I stranger things have happened. So, I mean, I, I definitely could be wrong, but I'm not going to be left holding the bill when when I'm not, I guess. So <laughs> it's a guy I'm not really investing much in. I thought he was okay throwing deep. Well, you know, it wasn't like a zip. I thought he had some strength there. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I, I think, but like ball placement is terrible. Uh, I'm not really right. confident in his, his processing ability. 
Uh, like you right. said, athleticism is his calling card. So he does have some some pretty big plays there with his feet. Um, I just think he's really underdeveloped so far. Again, it's early. Um, he just had his oh, first yeah. season starting. But I, I'm pretty out on him being a first. You know, there's like five guys max that are first rounders. And I I don't think JJ's in my top 15 to win that, to win a, a, as a first rounder. Um, any wide receivers? Well, actually, sorry. Any other QBs in the room that you care about? No. No, no, no. Let's, let's go on to wide receivers here. Uh, for me, I'm just going to say just none right up front. I mean, their receiving leader last year, who was for 990 yards, was Ronnie Bell. Um, he, he went like the last 20 picks in the seventh round. And I watched him at the Senior Bowl. Uh, this man couldn't catch a ball. Like drops were really bad, really bad drops. Kind of a speedster, field stretcher. They always have wide receivers with singular roles. They don't really seem to get those route runners, possession guys, or I shouldn't say get. They don't develop those types. Um, but they definitely pretty good developing the field stretchers. Uh, is there any wide yeah. receiver here that you care about? No, not really. I think you know Roman Wilson, Wilson and Cornelius Johnson will be all right college guys. You know that could have decent seasons, but neither of them are Debbie guys. So. They do have yeah. a they do have a decent tight end though. So I do love Colston Loveland. So you you want to talk Colston right now? Because you can. I will have to defer to that's one of Chris's man crushes. So I'm afraid to say too much out of context for the fact that Moxley will blacklist me. So I just know he's a guy who last year seemed like he was always making key catches for first downs. Uh definitely seemed like a really natural receiver. Only a freshman. So it was nice to see him, you know, he's a great size, six five, two forty. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I just a guy who I think Chris actually moved him up to like tight end three in his ranking, so uh, he's pretty crazy. I, I think he's got a pretty good upside as being a decent NFL tight end in a couple years. So, yeah, man, that's bold. I I do like Colson Loveland, he is in my rankings. I want to see the top 20 guy. Um, but I usually preach I only care about the top five or 10, honestly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's oh, about yeah. it. Um, but let's let's head over to the room that's going to be a little bit controversial for me. Um, the running back room, and I'm I'm gonna throw it to you for Blake Corn before I say all the negative stuff. How, how do you feel about Blake Corn? Um, <laughs> I'm afraid I don't have a lot of good to say either. Um, I'm not as a guy. I'm not overpaying for. I'm not paying for the production that he has. Um, I don't think he's got that the ability to be a three down guy. I do think he's got enough juice, enough ability to make big plays with big giant gaping holes typically. Um, <laughs> so I just don't see him as a guy who can create a lot on his own and has a lot of, um, yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to say. I'm, I'm trying to think of a word here, but I just don't think he's a complete back. I, I think he's going to yeah. have a role. He's probably going to have day two draft capital. I mean, he's probably going to be a decent NFL piece, but I just, I just don't think he's going to be an amazing back. I'm with you there. I think he's going to be a phenomenal collegiate back. He is great. I just think oh, Michigan's yeah. so dominant in the trenches. They do such a good job of developing the non-skill position players. I mean, cornerbacks, the linemen, even linebackers too, they all get drafted. Um, and a lot of those linemen find a lot of success in the NFL. They just dominate so heavily in the trenches. And I watched that Penn State game like three times over. That's the game when everyone said Blake Corum is special. And I saw linemen's linemen in the secondary every single play these guys oh, yeah. were so fast to get to the linebacker that all quorum had to do was follow his blockers and that is it right. and then he had to beat you know like a 
165 pound corner that ain't like he weighs 200 like it's they they set him up for success there in michigan and i know he has like the highest pff grade of all time for rushing hassan haskins last year was a 91.2 graded uh running back fifth round pick he's not doing it in the nfl he's not going to do anything in the nfl he just got drafted over after one year even before that chris evans from michigan got plenty of hype Same, like they all are like mm-hmm. prototypical workhorse size too chris evans is uh he was a late day three guy. I remember that. And he's like buried behind in, in, in where is it? Cincinnati. He's with the Bengals. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we saw CJ Stokes come in. I'm going to talk CJ Stokes here. We saw CJ Stokes come in. He averaged five yards carry. He looked good. He was all of a sudden like, oh, next guy up. We see Benjamin Hall, true freshman, uh, like a five foot bowling yeah, ball, like five foot 10. Destroy the spring game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 89. Everyone's like, oh, they struck gold again. That dude got benched in high school. His running mate in high school didn't even have an FBS offer. He went to the FCS and this guy got benched uh, instead of him. Any running right. back can be successful in this system. This is every time people post clips, I'm like, this is a lineman highlight. You can see lineman literally like blocking oh, yeah. safety sometimes. It's, it's insane to me. It's a little bit infuriating. Um, right. I'm also, I right. also am a friend with a family friend of Blake Corms, and the f- first thing I asked him too was like, "Is he really five foot eight? Because when I look at him, I think he's five six. And then he just shook his head. He's like, "I'm not. He's not five eight. So I, I know he's going to come in very short and undersized. And I know that's what everyone's right. everyone's like out at the combine. He's going to be like, "Oh well, I didn't know he was five foot six and a half. So right. can't wait for that to come to light. So I, I just talked Blake Corms, CJ Stokes, Benjamin Hall. Uh, did you have anything to say about those three guys? Nope. Let's get to the probably the best one in the backfield. <laughs> but yeah, Donovan Edwards. I mean, he's. I think if you're going to own a back in Debbie, it's from Michigan. It's him. But even then, I'm seeing more and more. You know, this morning I think Brandon Lejeune posted a video where this morning or recently where he just tore apart Edwards's game. I was I was really surprised, and I. I honestly thought Edwards was probably a guy who was going to stick around the NFL, uh, better size, very good receiving back, can force missed towel, missed tackles, missed towels <laughs> with power and contact balance. But once again, he benefits from those massive holes. And, you know, can he create independently? Can he be elusive, you know, creating slight creases where there's no crease and the vision to find and create on his own? It Does he have all that? He hasn't showed a whole lot of it yet, so... Edwards is, is, I think, still the one to own. Uh, definitely has a possibility of being an NFL back, but I, I'm starting to doubt him a little bit more. I couldn't agree more. I, I'm absolutely with you on that. I think he he has a pass-catching skill set. I think – I almost think that skill set nowadays is getting overvalued. Like, for me, it's just checking a box. I don't really evaluate. Yeah. I just want to see them transition to a runner. Like, that's it. That's all I really need to see mm-hmm. them do after they catch a ball. It's just if they're fighting the ball. But if they can just catch it smoothly and then they turn up field, that's fine. Uh, but he is right. one of the better pass catchers. I think that could be his impact at the next level. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, well, but once again, Blake Corum is just Jared Patterson, but in the Big Ten. Right. So, um, <laughs> Hopefully not that bad. But <laughs> hey, Jared Patterson was kind of yeah. relevant uh, as a backup oh, I, I there loved, for a little bit. I loved him for a minute, yeah. Yeah. Um, <sighs> are we done with Michigan here? Yes, the, we are done the inferior Michigan. university in state there. Uh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> um, before All we get right. on to your team, though, let's let's talk Penn State. I actually love yeah. Penn State. I love dissecting Penn State. Um, 
no coaching changes. So don't want to talk about that at all whatsoever. Um, QB, real quick, Drew Aller. Drew Aller is our QB one for his class right now, pretty much across the board. I think, I think in Debbie we have him ranked as like QB four, QB five. Um, six foot five to forty, bit of a thicker build. Had a really nice sidearm touchdown last year. I mean that that was like an NFL throw, and he didn't really get a lot of like reps. And so it was kind of exciting to see that that bright of a flash out of limited limited uh, work there. Um, prototypical size has a great arm, just has all the tools. Um, the one thing he doesn't have is a strong supporting class, but we'll get to that in a second though. Uh, <laughs> Dwight, what do you think about Drew Holler? Yeah, just the guy who has all the tools. I mean, you can't ask for anything else from a from a, a quarterback size. You know, you don't see guys that size that are can run out, run like he does and still have that cannon arm. You see guys like that that have the big arm, but then then they're like they can't move at all. So I like seeing that and the ability to create on the move. Uh, I think he's definitely one of the most special quarterbacks there is. Um, I would like to see his accuracy improve. That's one thing that was not great in high school and has not been very good so far, but he hasn't had a whole lot of reps in college yet. So he will this year. (laughs) We'll we'll definitely see more this year. So yeah, he's pretty special. Let's head on over to the wide receiver room. Uh, they, they, they shopped the transfer portal two years in a row. Uh, they brought in Mitchell Tinsley last year and they brought in, I can't remember who else they brought in, uh, Mitchell Tinsley, who they brought in last year, um, didn't get a senior bowl invite. He got the invite to the East West Shrine Bowl, uh, which is not known for creating guys with good draft capital, uh, with the exception of Taekwon Thornton, he got stuck around draft capital two years ago and then technically Zay Flowers, but I'm, I'm pretty positive they paid him to go there. I'm, I'm super positive they paid him to go there. <laughs> um, but I guess he would technically count too. And then their only success story, I think the last like 15 years outside of those two guys for draft capital uh, would have been Kenny Galladay, who got third round draft capital and was super relevant for about one year. And then he got the bag. I don't know who his agent is, but his agent deserves like a high five. Like that was pretty awesome that he did that for him. Uh, but back to Penn State here. We're going to talk about the transfers first since I just talked about transfers. Uh, Dante Cephas comes in from Kent State. He was a phenomenal G5 wide receiver. I, uh, I got to look at the stats. I don't think he was a 1,000 yards, a little shy. Yeah. Yeah. But was it a 1,000 yard receiver or was it like 900? I think so. Uh, you check that. <laughs> uh, Malik McLean from FSU, size, speed guy, very raw, six foot four, two ten. Um, saw limited work for Florida State. He beat the year one zero mold, but they didn't really use him too much. He got they brought in transfers that played over him. He played limited snaps. I don't remember what his receiving line is off the top of my head either. It was very underwhelming. And the reports out of Penn State right now is that he's struggling to adjust. Um, so uh that was definitely foreseeable. I don't, I'm not saying that that's probably was like likely it was going to happen. They didn't really have a lot of right. size guys, I believe on the roster, not high end guys, but True. Um, anyway, what are your thoughts here about Cephas and McLean for Debbie purposes? Right. Uh, Cephas had a 1,200 yards in 2021, uh, but only had 744 last year, but he only played nine games last year. So if he'd have played the whole 14 or whatever. You probably had a thousand. Um, this is Cephas's fifth year. So he's definitely a little bit more experienced. He's six foot one, one seventy. Um, I don't think he's a particularly special guy. He kind of, but they need somebody. You know, he's going to get targets. He's going to get, you know, he's going to possibly take over the Parker Washington type of role. You know, a guy who will probably work mostly out of the slot, um, possession guy. 
Um, I don't have a lot of hopes for him as far as NFL. Uh, same with McLean, um, Omari Evans, we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, just an early enrollee that could possibly be it, but he's probably the one that I would take a, a shot if I had to. Um, but I just, I, I don't know. I think all um, Cephas and McLean could have decent college roles, but I just don't see them as being guys that can make that transition to the NFL. So, yeah. I'm with you there. I think they're both nominees for the East West Shrine. Well, I think Cephas is. I don't think McLean is. I think that would be best case right. scenario for McLean, uh, which again, I just say they don't really yeah, have he's a really history raw. of getting drafted. Really, really raw. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's only entering year three, so he'll he'll be there for a little bit. They could have had Caden Prather. I'm just saying, Caden, you could have gone there and filled <laughs> God, that. That would have been nice. Yeah, but that would have been awesome. Yeah. That would definitely would have been awesome. I, I hate how much systems matter for players. It's just true. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to talk about a Mike misfit. He was a misfit last year. I think this year there's far more people on board. And I gave a, give a special shout out for the recruiting team because this was a they did the three star show. Um, David at Solving Fit Football. This was one of his guys he brought up. The way David talks about stuff, though, he like didn't sound like he was that interested. Like he was just scraping the bottle. He was like, you know, yeah, you know, I don't know. He's a guy, you know. <laughs> but, but he sold me, man. He really did sell me. Six foot. He came in at 170 pounds. He is up to 189 pounds, 19 pounds since arriving on campus early last year. And as a high scorer, a four three six forty, a thirty inch vert, a four two shuttle, twenty nine point nine miles per hour. I mean, those are high end NFL athletics across the board. Um, right. He was like a three star wide receiver, and the reason that um, the reason for the low ranking is because he had to play Wildcat QB. It was not like one of those super um, high end like football programs. He needed to play quarterback for them, so he played a lot of Wildcat. But he played wide receiver at camps, and he looked as well. He looked like a phenomenal mover, and that's that's kind of why I was in on him because he did. He looked fine. He looked fine as a mover. I didn't really think he had any issues being a wide receiver. We just didn't really get a lot of tape to dissect to see how good of a wide receiver he is. Got on the field a little bit last year, something like five for fifty-five and a touchdown. Um, returned some kicks as well. Uh, doesn't he? Doesn't really? He doesn't. Um, what am I looking for here? He doesn't count towards the year one zero mode because he wasn't a top 300 recruit. He was much deeper than that. But, man, that is my shooting from deep guy. And in the spring game, he caught a touchdown from Drew Aller. He was playing with the first team a little bit. That's all I'm saying. I am in on Amari Evans. <laughs> I don't care about McLean. I like it. Cephas, is, yeah. Cephas is definitely the guy there for this year. But I'm hoping Amari Evans can step up wide receiver two this year and just put his name on the map. I just need him to develop technically. And I think – this is just one of the schools that do every couple of years. There's just a champion, you know, yeah. John Dotson, Allen Robinson. It's going to be Amari Evans in like two to three years. It's going to be Amari Evans. I just know it. I know it deep in my soul to wait. It's going to be Amari Evans. <laughs> All right. I, I, I will buy him. <laughs> I right. like it. Convince me. $20. $20. Okay. <laughs> Mike's misfits. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, going All on right. to the running backs, though. Uh, yeah. RBU, baby. Whew. Yeah, unless you want to talk about Amari Evans more. Did you want to talk about no. Amari Evans? All right, all right. Um, going to the running backs, uh, Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, both true freshmen last year. Katron Allen came from IMG. Same story as kind of Cardinal T. I had a struggle. I struggled to evaluate him. I also don't really have much of a trained eye for, for uh, recruiting. Last year was my first year going into it early. I'll be doing it again this year. But anyway, Katron Allen comes in. Singleton comes in. Singleton is the – he's the workhorse size guy that is the ultra athlete. You know, he's not used to running down the middle. He's used to just, I'm just going to kick it out wide and make moves in the open space. Katron was the exact 
opposite of IMG where he wasn't very good laterally or going around the edge winning with speed because very good going down the middle here both these guys got phenomenal run in this offense i want to say katron led with like 160 carries i want to say and nicholson yep. had like 140 carries um i'm rounding there on that one um mm -hmm. nick singleton rb1 for debbie right now yes or no do i uh yes i think sometimes people will because he's two years out, they'll, they'll give a nod to guys that are only one year out. But I think if you go just on talent, I think he's the RP one. So, yeah, I agree. Do you think by <laughs> I, I'm put I'm I'm bringing out my my crystal ball here? Do you think? Okay. And this is again, we are very far out here. Um. So this is this is as an audience member, don't don't take too much of this into account here. Do you think he's going to be discussed like Bijan is? Like come come his draft year, like, I think we're going to talk about him like they are Bijan. No. Um, and it might just be because of Katron. Katron kind of, you know, I guess uh, Bijan was in the perfect situation to get the workhorse numbers, to get, you know, the big shiny everything. You know, he was just the guy for so long and the guy. I think Allen kind of knocks a little bit of the luster off because he's very impressive as well. And like you mentioned, he had more carries than singles it had. Uh, but that shouldn't, I don't think he's quite the level of Bijan, but he is really damn close. So just a nasty runner, great contact balance, ability to make people miss in the open field. Like you said, he tends to want to bounce things outside, uh, but he has really good vision, ability to set up blocks, things like that down the field. He's just, just a lot of fun to watch, but I did admit, I did also say in my notes here though, that Allen would probably be the RB one on 98% of teams in college. I mean, he is also a very legit prospect, very elusive, explosive, uh, good contact balance. Like you said, he works more in the middle. He's got good vision to work through the middle of the defense. Uh, I think he's very, very vastly underrated. And both of these guys should probably be top 10 back. So, I like it. I like it. Uh, so I got the real numbers here. Cajun had 167 carries and Singleton had 156. Uh, do you think? Do you think these splits go more in Singleton's uh, favor next year than even more in the year after that? No, I don't. I, I don't think the coaching staff has any need to. I mean, they're both extremely effective. There's no need to run one guy into the ground. You know, like, uh, it's not, I mean, Penn State has typically in the past been a team that would feature one back. But, I mean, if you've got something that's working, why the heck would you break it? You know, like it's – if both guys are doing very well and both guys, you know, can you even keep both of these guys fresh for an entire season? I mean, you might as well. So I, I don't see it changing very much at all. I like that logic. I'm not really sure if that's how it goes. I I don't have like a lot of history in my mind. Like maybe you do, but I don't right. have a lot of history in my mind of like two running backs from the same program getting drafted in the same year. Also having both like top, top, you know, three round right. picks and so i'm just i'm just worried about them cannibalizing each other which i do think happens to like i i know me and Corey talked about it, i want to say like months ago um where i was kind of like do you think like come come junior year like nick singleton is getting 190 carries and like katron is getting like 120 110 and then i'm like worried so i i am actually like actively rooting for katron to transfer out because just like you said if he goes to any other school like he's starting running back there he yeah, you know most this, this is just random. Sorry, this is just yeah. random. Came into my head. What if he goes to Kentucky next year? 
<laughs> I'm, I'm just saying it's, it could happen you know let's speak it into existence like we can do it, it follows the will levis's footstep you know maybe we yeah, got a pipeline the there the most recent one i can think of is uh north carolina a couple years ago when they had carter and javante williams is that yeah. right yeah um, but both of those guys were not anywhere near as highly regarded as as katron or singleton but that was a really good situation where both of those backs were just freaking phenomenal and they just kept doing it you know and they did cannibalize each other a little bit but they both ended up with pretty good draft capital so yeah well i mean like it's fourth round for michael carter that he's also right. undersized too a different skill yeah. set but yeah yeah you're right it's similar yeah. similar stories similar stories um yeah. but yeah i am i am worried about the cannibalization i think if if Kajan went to a different team with better better opportunity in front of him, I'd probably move him move him up my rankings. I got him at a twenty right now. I would definitely move him up to like the early teens if he went somewhere yeah. where I, I knew Nick Singleton wasn't. I like that. We could just I send him to would. the next team. Yeah, let's let's trade Katron Allen right now to Michigan yeah, let's, State. Let's do that. Let's talk about yeah. Let's hop on over to Michigan State. No coaching changes. Uh, they just Mel, Mel Talker just had a nice payday. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about that payday? By the way, do I do you think he deserved that money? Um, it was a little early, but I guess you got to you got to keep your guy these days, though. I mean, they were definitely putting all the chips in. Uh, you think that's a good vote of confidence? So, I, I'm not totally out on him yet. I mean, he because of the way it fell with Kenneth Walker and everything, it just kind of everything fell right for him for a great situation. And anybody in any cl- close to the situation knew it was going to be a rough fall after that. I didn't expect quite as far as they fell. And it's going to be another tough year this year. So I definitely think he's he's got things heading in the right direction in theory. I think they've got some good recruits. We'll talk about a couple of them coming up here. And they've got another strong class coming in next year. So not, not 100% out on them by any means. But it was probably a little early to pay him that much. So Let's start off with the QB room. Uh, we have last year's Cadden Hauser. We have this year's freshman Sam Levitt, who is a, another big fan of ours. Um, Peyton Thorne is gone. He is no longer a thorn mm-hmm. in MSU, uh, MSU's side, pun intended. Uh, Dwight, who's the starting QB this year for, for Michigan State? It, it is Noah Kim, <laughs> which I don't love. I, I think, you know, this is... I, I was actually okay with, with Hauser as well. But I think if we get somebody as highly regarded as Sam Levitt, I think Sam is is the key. You know, this program is in a, search, a situation where, you know, elite quarterbacks can turn around teams like Michigan State. And if why not let him have it? You know, he's he's the guy that I, I'm not sold that he stays. If we go through, if the state goes three and eight again this year, or, or four and eight or whatever the heck. I, I don't know if he stays, you know, he's going to see, I don't want to be a part of this train wreck and he's probably going to leave. So I think we might as well give him the keys and see if he's the guy. I think he is the guy who could take them to the next level. He's got a phenomenal arm, very dangerous as a runner. Um, he's definitely the real deal, but can we hold on to him and can we give him the keys to the kingdom early enough? So he stays and proves that he is. I'm just a little, a little worried that, by putting Noah Kim in there, who's okay, but I'm just worried that it's pushing the chips down the road and we we shouldn't. We we need to go ahead and play our best hand now, you know, and see what the heck we got. So, if, let me know if I'm making this up. Is Keaton Hauser also a baseball player? 
for Michigan State? Is he one of those like dual I don't sport athletes? Okay, yeah, no, I might be so making sure. that up. So um. <laughs> I should know, but no. Um, yeah, Hauser. I would actually rather have Hauser than Kim, just because we might as well see if he's the real deal too. You know, but I guess throwing a true freshman in there is, is maybe a little maybe um, Mel Tucker isn't willing to take that much risk. So why don't we give it to Hauser? We we know Kim's an okay quarterback, but I don't think he's going to guide us to eight wins. So we yeah, they're well just not trying got. to make mistakes early. Yeah, yeah. 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 So. Um, I wish Mad Bernie was here to talk Hauser. I know he's the biggest Hauser fan yeah. out there. I don't think I've heard him talk about him nearly as much lately, though. So maybe. Uh, no, I but think he kind of faded him a little I, bit. Yeah. Yeah. Sam Levitt is my QB 10 in this class. Another guy I like. I really like this QB class a lot. Um, but I don't love the landing spot. Again, Michigan State just doesn't have a strong history of developing uh, players like this. But I, I am with you, though. If there is a key to Michigan State's offense, it's going to be Sam Levitt staying. And then receivers are going to want to play with him. Right. And then uh, speaking of wide receivers, though, I, I do have one deep guy I'm a big fan of. It is a three-star. His name is Jalen Smith. This is another shooting from deep. This is not a Mike Misfit, though. He's uh, kind of No, a, he's legit. Yeah. Yeah, people are fans <laughs> of him here. Same high school as Matthew Golden. Um, never got the recognition, though, because he had to play QB for them. But he produced 76 rushing attempts for 830 yards and 10 touchdowns. That's 10.9 yards per carry. And then for receiving 34 receptions for nine, excuse me, 34 receptions for 695 yards and 10 touchdowns. And then he threw for like another 452 yards and four touchdowns with three picks uh, between, I think, two games. So he got to play wide receiver his senior year and he had to play a little bit of running back there too. But he has good size. He has shown route running ability. He is, He's got to be my vote for like three star to break out. There's like always like one three star that just kind of breaks out. This last year was it, it legitimately to me might be Jalen Smith. Yeah, I'm in 100% in the with with Keon Coleman leaving. Uh, there's definitely a spot for a guy like him, big big body possession guy who could see the field early, um, should see lots of targets, you know, should at least get a chance to, sh- to come out there. Um, I do like him a lot. I have him in so many leagues. It's it's crazy. Um, I also do like Antonio Gates Jr. as a, as a deeper league dart throw. Uh, stronger receiver. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Guy. Is he bloodline. related to Antonio Gates? Oh, another yes. bloodline no one talks bloodline. about. No one cares about. No one cares about that bloodline. Whatever. Go on. <laughs> strong receiver. He can high point with strong hands. Had a beautiful touchdown in the uh, spring game. Natural pass catcher. Uh, runs routes real crisp. Nice. Not not gonna wow anybody with athleticism, but just a really strong receiver. Um, yeah, so I like both of those guys. But if I had to choose one, it's Jalen. I think Jalen's got the ability to to be our wide receiver one for the next couple of years, um, starting this year potentially. So, yeah, I love it. If you guys can trade for him, I think he's a great like little add in. Little add in. Fortunately, <laughs> I play in leagues with other guys at this company, so that's not gonna happen. But if you're not, yeah. if you're not, give it a shot. Um, Dwight, now personally, I know you saw on the sheet, I wrote no running backs have any Debbie value on this team, which wasn't very true in the future, you know, and that far in the distance past there, there were fans of Jalen Berger. Dwight, are there any guys we should be paying attention to in this backfield for Debbie? No, I actually kind of like Nathan Carter, but I don't know if he's a, a, a Debbie guy. He's a smaller, powerful back that I could see having a really clear role this year. Um, Berger was, you know, not what we'd hoped, uh, had a couple flashes here and there, but, 
Um, Jaron Mangum, you might remember his name, still on the roster. Um, another guy we thought sometime many years ago might be something. Um, if I had to choose one, like just to take a really super late Debbie dart throw, would be Nathan Carter. Uh, looked really good in short spurts at, at UConn. Um, but just, I, I think he's got the chance to, I mean, this offense doesn't have a lot at this point, so he could easily emerge and have a, a pretty solid season and, you know, may, maybe a, a small, you know, like late, late draft pick down the road as a guy who, a depth guy, a two down, first two down type of guy. So, yeah. uh, what, what about not much? I know he has a big name before COVID such a long time ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> Elijah Collins though. Uh, is he still on the team? I, I, I just want to bring him up. I know he was once a name talked about Oregon state. I think let me double check Oklahoma oh. state. Okay. Let's go on to the next school then, yeah? Uh, Indiana, yeah, uh, Indiana yeah. University. Um, <laughs> I can't believe yeah. they let Michael Penix go. That's crazy. Uh, anyway, no coaching <laughs> changes here. Any QB here we care about. They got Connor Bazelak, uh transfer from Missouri. Do we care about Connor Bazelak? No, his name is actually Connor Mazelak. I don't know. I don't know. He, he's man. He's, <laughs> I don't, that was a terrible joke. Sorry. It's getting late for me and I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, nothing. I mean, the fact that. We actually, Michigan State lost Indiana last year, which I thought was probably the lowest I've ever been in my entire life as a Michigan State fan. And because Indiana is really bad. So, <laughs> uh, running backs, do we care about any of the oh. running backs in this room? Same. Absolutely yeah, I, not. So. I know I looked up their names, didn't bother writing them down. Um, I didn't. I did want to give one name, though, for wide receiver here. Um, not for me, man, but I, he was, he was a big name. I just think he should be talked about. I want him to be forgotten. I don't think he deserves that type of treatment. Um, Cam Camper, six foot two, 202 pounds. He was a Juco transfer last year, entering his fourth year. He tore an ACL, uh, after seven games, but after seven games, he had 46 receptions, 569 yards, two touchdowns, certainly on his way to a, maybe a thousand yard season there. Really hit the scene fast. 11 receptions, 156 receiving yards against Illinois. Who, like, less about. But Illinois came out, and they have elite secondary. I mean, that was an elite defense this year. And he put up 156 yards against them. So I have no news about his ACL. I have no idea how he's progressing. Um, But I I just thought we should throw his name out there. Maybe maybe he bounces back to get some day three. probably be his fifth year though that he does that but anyway they actually have some pretty interesting names on their depth chart that i didn't really even know were there um former utah quarterback taven johnson jackson is the starter uh redshirt sophomore uh donovan mccully was supposed to be the athletic quarterback that came in there he's listed as a wide receiver uh ej williams from clemson is on their wide receiver depth chart so some some names that are you know kind of had buzz at one point but Kind I totally of a, forgot about a, EJ Williams, man. Yeah. yeah, they have some some decent, you know, pieces that were athletic guys type of, you know, that we thought at one point. Even David Holloman, I, I was kind of high on a couple of years ago as their possible next running back. Although he's listed fifth on the depth chart, so <laughs> yeah, I don't know. How, yeah, yeah, you know, I think I missed that one there. Uh, Grave, so yeah, just some names. interesting names. All right. Well, Dwight. I think that wraps it up, Fred. Do you have anything about any of these teams you want to say? No, man. It's a, you know, I, I like to come on here 
because we tend to in the Debbie and CDC community talk incredibly bad about Michigan State. And unfortunately, I didn't really have much good to say about them. So like, I, I was hoping to defend our honor a little bit, but it's rough. So I always love talking Big Ten. I've lived up here in, in Michigan, Illinois, like my my entire life almost. So um, I've always been a Big Ten football guy. So I would definitely love these are people, the teams that I hear about, you know, and the teams that I care about when I watch football, it's almost always Big Ten football. So, yeah, it's fun. Very fun to come on, man. Always good to talk to you, Mike. I should have mentioned this earlier. It's always good to talk to you, Dwayne. I can't, we can't let you go just yet because we haven't said the promo yet, which actually oh, you yeah. hooked us up with. So I feel like you should be the one saying this since you're the one that, that helped bring this together. Yeah, I don't know how much I was. I kind of was. I found a way to to find out who their marketing department person was, and I emailed her a couple years ago, and she's like, "We're not interested." And then I emailed her a couple months ago, and she's like, "Yeah, send me over some info." So I, I tossed her over to Austin, and you know the team of guys, the the brains behind our our organization. So check out Homefield Apparel. I mean, use a promo code of Campus Two Canton Campus with the two. And then Canton to get 15% off. And home field is just awesome. I mean, I don't have my camera on, but I'm wearing a home field shirt right now. I have six or seven of them. They're soft. I, I love the old college logos. You know, I have schools that I have absolutely no affiliation with Air Force, Arkansas. Uh, you know, I just I love the old logos. Uh, they were just so much more fun. So these, these shirts are awesome. Uh, a really good company located out of Indianapolis, Indiana. So de definitely order a couple. They are like the coolest shirts. I don't know how many compliments I get on, you know, my my old logo shirts. I tend to like the ones that are like cartoons and stuff. I like the old, you know, they're some of them are a little less PC stuff like that, you know. But it, it's yeah. just it's just fun. They're, they're just great shirts, man. And I, I mean, if you love any sort of sports and you have a favorite college, they've got shirts in there that you'll be like, whoa, holy crap, you know, <laughs> like they just have some really really cool shirts. So. Promo code campus to Canton get fifteen percent off. So it's Home a no brainer. Field advantage, vintage sportswear. If you're if you're out there meeting your girlfriend's dad for the first time, go ahead and look up what school he went to and wear one of those vintage shirts. Have that conversation creation right oh, there. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> campus, the whole word to the number, and then Canton, the whole word, fifteen percent off yep. at Home Field Apparel. Get your stuff. Join us next week. We're gonna finish up the Big Ten, the Big Fourteen, the the big whatever they really need to rebrand i'm so tired of it they need to rebrand uh but join me and dwight next week we are gonna wrap up the big 10 from dwight and from mike good night and good luck